Purdue fans, this is Johnny DeCamp bringing you play-by-play -play the Rousey. Everybody, Rousey. along with Ron Kramer, this is Pete Van Weeren welcoming you to ross Aid Stadium. Live from ross Aid Stadium in West Lafayette, Indiana. It's a football Saturday in West Lafayette, Indiana, and one of the biggest home games in decades. Boilermakers rush the field. What a night in West Lafayette. Your Central Indiana Ford dealers are a proud sponsor of Purdue Football in the Raw Sage Greatest Games podcast. Visit your local Central Indiana Ford dealer today. Welcome to the Raw Sage Greatest Games podcast. I'm Corey Palm. He's Tim Newton, and uh, we are here to celebrate the 100th year of football inside uh, Raw Sage Stadium, the home of the Boilermakers, by counting down some of the all-time great games played in that stadium. A few rules before we uh, before we get started. Uh, this is, list is not comprehensive. Um, it, 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 we're going to do the best we can to cover as much ground as we can, but uh, there's more games than, than we have time available. And uh, also, we're not going to rank these games. They are, they are being presented in chronological order, and uh, we've made our way all the way up to the 1979 season. Tim, uh, one, of the, one of the best seasons in program history, so it's, it's appropriate that we're doing a couple different games from that uh, from that year. Today, we're going to talk about the win over Michigan. Yeah, it's the only 10-win season in Purdue history, uh, although we were talking a little bit earlier. A lot of close games that year, including this one. Uh, this is a team that very easily could have gone a lot less than 10-2, and two, but uh, it, it had a great knack for coming up with big plays down the stretch, and because he had big players making big plays. He had a lot of talent on both the offensive and defensive sides. Absolutely, and one of those, uh, one of the biggest, Keena Turner will be joining us later to talk about this game. It was his senior day and a very important day in his playing life and his personal life, and and uh, it, it was a game for the ages. Um, another thing that kind of gets lost over time is how much, how different college football was back then. Uh, there were only fifteen bowl games in existence. In the 1979 season, it, it ended up only four Big Ten teams got bowl bids. Purdue seven and two coming into this game, there was very little that was guaranteed. Yeah, today you get to that magic six win plateau, and you know you're going somewhere. In fact, sometimes five and seven gets into a bowl. But you mentioned only ten, or only 15 uh, bowls overall, and I believe 10 of them were in attendance at that Michigan Purdue game, which featured two top 15 teams. And, you know, it, it was interesting because at 7-2, and two, if Purdue loses its last two games and goes 7-4, and four, it may be on the outside looking in, which seems preposterous these days when we have to beg and plead to get the, the bowl schedule filled. But very important games. And Michigan was also playing for a chance to, to win the Big Ten championship. If they beat Purdue and then upset Ohio State the last week of the season, they were going back to the Rose Bowl. And technically the Big Ten, was, the Big Ten title was still on the table for Purdue despite stubbing their toe at Minnesota yeah. back in early October. Uh, they needed some help. It was out of their hands. Right. Uh, Ohio State was number one or two in the country for the last month of the season. Uh, so uh, both teams needed Ohio State to lose. Michigan held you know, their own destiny with that final game against Ohio State, ended up uh, losing to them as well. So the Buckeyes went to the Rose Bowl. Uh, but, yeah, Purdue everywhere from could be Big Ten champs to could be out of the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. Depending with on with these, two weeks left with the season. two weeks, right, yeah. and, and one of the best teams in, yeah. in school history. Um, top 10 Michigan, like I said, they skidded at the end of the year. Uh, but it was a Bo Schembechler team in the late seventies. You knew that uh, you knew that this was bound to be a great game. You know, back in those days, of course, we had ten teams in the Big Ten at that point, and it was still, frankly, the Big Two and the Little Eight. It was Ohio State, and Michigan, and everybody else. Now, 
The gap closed a little bit. Purdue was one of the teams that really picked up over that time period. But I can tell you the year before in 1978, Purdue had beaten Ohio State at Ross-Aid Stadium. I remember uh, the wipe woody toilet paper. They actually put Woody Hayes' picture on toilet paper and distributed around the stadium. Uh, Bo Schembechler equally despised among the Boilermaker fans. And so there was a lot a lot riding and a lot of emotion coming into that senior day at Ross-Aid. Let's, let's go ahead and get to the game. It was cold that day. Uh, temps, temps in the low 30s. Uh, well, it's... It's mid-November in, in Indiana. What do you want? Sure. Um, but but still, that that made for you know. Sometimes the weather does affect yeah. the the way the game goes. It it didn't really affect the Boilermakers uh, from the get-go. They go to the board first. A, a, a sustained drive, thirteen plays, sixty-five yards before Benny McCall uh, puts it in from <clears throat> from two yards out, and Purdue goes up seven nothing early in the first. And it was the first half, Corey, that the Boilermakers dominated. Uh, you, they, they came up with a bunch of takeaways in that game. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't put points on the board, had some turnovers of their own. And even though they were absolutely throttling Michigan in the first half, they go into the locker room ahead just 7 nothing. Yeah, the Wolverines had 67 yards of offense in the first half, which is kind of amazing to think about uh, on top of the you know three turnovers yeah. in the first half, plus a blocked punt. Um, Purdue had a field goal partially blocked as well, which which didn't help matters. But, uh, yeah, it, I, I would imagine that locker room at the halftime uh, break was was kind of disheartening for the team in the respect that we're kicking the tar out of this team. How are we only up 7 nothing? And you always wonder, a team like a Michigan or Ohio State, at some point they're going to wake up, and, and you hope that alarm clock doesn't go off. And, for again, for Purdue in the second half, they they continued to dominate and then built a lead up. It got up to 24-6 to six at one point. In the fourth quarter, it did thanks in part to a Mark Herman rushing touchdown. Yeah, you you heard That's that correct. Key. That is, he had he had two of them to that point in his career. Which, given his his uh, absolute, Mark was not a sprinting champ. Great quarterback, <laughs> great thrower, but not a sprinting champion. He had, he had good length, yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, not a ton of speed. Why why run it when you can throw the ball th- as well as he could? And and plus, like he pointed out to us uh, in a conversation. Last last episode, uh, he was starting eight or nine yards deep on a lot of those shotgun snaps. So you know you're not running very very effectively from that deep. But like you said, the the Boilermakers built up a lead, uh, kept dominating Michigan into the fourth quarter. About a little over ten minutes left, and the Wolverines finally woke up. Yeah, you know I remember again being at the game that day, and and not only were was everybody surprised and excited that Purdue was winning, but dominating Michigan's 24-6. You're thinking, this is going to be a blowout. This is great. And all of a sudden, just like any time you start to think that in a game, it starts to flip, and it flipped really fast. It did. Uh, the Wolverines got a, a big kickoff return from Anthony Carter, who who went out to a phenomenal career. This was very early in his career. Yeah. But uh, he was he was one of the all-time greats for the Wolverines and beyond. Um, they turned that into quick points, got a uh, – got a, they missed the two, so it was twenty. They missed 12. the right twenty four twelve because they had uh, they had missed an, uh, a PAT off the right. upright yeah. when they scored uh, in the third quarter. Then the Boilermakers give them the ball right back, and and the Wolverines go down the field again in short order. And uh, all of a sudden, like you said, it's it's twenty four nineteen. They went for one went that for time, one, yeah, because it didn't matter. Right. So it's, it's 24-19, and everybody in the stadium is is just stunned. Yeah, and then then the pressure goes on the Purdue offense. Can you can you move the football? And the Boilermakers got up near midfield, and Mark Herman, who didn't have a lot of yards that day, 140 passing yards, 
made his only mistake of the day, tried to throw a quick pass to the right side, and the linebacker jumped up, tipped, tipped it, and brought it down, yeah. took it into Purdue territory. And it, all of a sudden, in the stadium, you're, you're looking up and thinking, we could lose this game. What is going on? Yeah, less than four minutes to go at that point, and And all the momentum in the world yep. on the side of the Wolverines, uh, there were there were you know a handful of guys on the field uh, wearing old golden black on the defensive side who they they stiffen their backs and they just made tackle after tackle. Well, I mentioned earlier um, this was a, a season that had a lot of close games, but they found a way to come up with wins. And so Michigan gets down; they got a first and goal at the ten. Uh, they after a couple of plays, they get it down to the, the two yard line. It's fourth down. Two yards away, Michigan scores. They take the lead and probably win the football game because, assuming they make the point, Purdue's going to have to score, go down and score a touchdown. And they tried a triple option play to the right, and James Looney blew it up, got into the backfield, um, threw down John Wangler for a huge loss, and then Purdue took an intentional safety yeah. uh, because the clock was running. They didn't want to punt from deep in their territory, and then the Boilermakers were able to stop Michigan around midfield to stop to end the game. On that triple option, like, like you said, Looney, Looney blew it up. It but I think every member of that defensive front did their job. Yeah, they strung it out. They strung it out. There was maybe a split second where uh, Butch Wolfork was was maybe open for a pitch, but he he get closed up real quick, and then and then Wengler had nowhere to go with the ball. And the ball was sitting on the left hash, and as they, as they should have, Michigan ran the play to the right hand side, the wide side of the field. And yeah, you mentioned the Boilermakers strung it out really well. Looney got up the field and and made a great play and. The fans went home happy on senior day. They did indeed. Looney had blocked a punt in the, back in the first half, so big day for him. Uh, like we'd mentioned, a big day for Bill Kay. Um, big day for the defense. Five takeaways yes. and a blocked punt and hold Michigan under 260 yards, and yet the game comes down to the final minutes. Sports are crazy. They are crazy, and and it was the defense that made the play again. That Aragus remembered a lot for the offense and Herman and the Carmel Connection and the running game and Dave Young and – Pete Quinn's always talking about how the center's the most important part of, of that offense, but but that defense, man, they entered the bell over and over that season. And had a, a tremendous propensity for forcing turnovers and coming up with the same thing happened in the Blue Bonnet Bowl. Uh, even though Tennessee had come back to take the lead, Purdue got a late touchdown and then had to come up with a late stand, and, and they did it. Uh, and it was different guys, different weeks. Uh, uh, we'll talk a little bit later on with Keena Turner, and I think he'll tell us that it wasn't one. There wasn't one guy that the defense was built around, it, and you know he was a focal point. Yeah. Believe me, you had to know defensively uh, where Keena Turner was. But uh, there were a lot of guys that could do damage on that football team. In fact, uh, the Boilermakers held on here, went to IU, won the bucket in a game that was closer than the final score indicated, and then, like you said, uh, the the Blue Bonnet Bowl to to send Keena and his classmates out with the, with a 10-win season. The Boilermakers won their last seven games of the 79 season, and and that's why it's one of the best in school history. Um, we're going we're gonna to get right to that conversation with Keena right now, uh, right after this break. Keena Turner, the uh, four-time Super Bowl champion from the San Francisco 49ers, joins us on Ross Aid's Greatest Games. Your Central Indiana Ford dealers are a proud sponsor of Purdue football. Visit your local Central Indiana Ford dealer today. 
We are joined now by Keena Turner, uh, one of the all-time great Boilermakers and uh, such a key part of that 1979 season. Keena, uh, that Michigan game, uh, the final home game of the year, actually senior day for you, uh, just we were talking off air, what a big game that was for you guys. Just what's, uh, what do you think of when you think of that day? Oh, wow. I mean, I think just, just as you mentioned, all of that combined, you know, being my last, last year, being senior day, you know, the big game and the rivalry that we had with Michigan throughout. And, uh, it, you know, it kind of, you know, it always reminded me, Michigan, of my, my freshman game against them when, you know, they were ranked in the country and we beat them at home. And, and so obviously to, you know, to, to finish up uh, on senior day with them, uh, uh, just a very cool moment. And, you know, in that year we won some games. And so, uh, you know, it all made sense. Keena, the defense came up with five takeaways against Michigan that day, blocked a punt and held the Wolverines under 260 yards. Aside from the talent, which you had a very talented defense, but schematically, what made the junk defense difficult to play against? Wow. I, you know, I mean, I think, one, it always was uh, the, the players themselves. You know, we had, you know, we had some, some horses up front. And, and Leon Burnett, you, you know, just did a fabulous job of, you know, allowing uh, – that defense to take advantage of the skill that it had, you know. And so, you know, it was called nicknamed the junk defense because we did just about everything. And I think uh, the best thing we did was just allow the talent to play, you know. And, uh, you know, Marcus Jackson up front and, uh, you know, and, and obviously, you know, uh, Wayne Smith in the secondary, you know, and the linebacker core. So we just had a group of guys that uh, – you know, just were really good at moving, and uh, we had a coordinator that uh, set up a scheme that that allowed us to take advantage of it. You had so many uh, so many players on that team. You kind of never knew who was going to step up and make the big play. Uh, in this game, it was it was kind of Bill Kay's day with uh, with three picks, a fumble mm -hmm. recovery, uh, but. And, and looking at your stat line, you were kind of quiet uh, in that game against Michigan. I know, I know uh, that doesn't always mean you you had an ineffective <laughs> game, right? That's part of your job is to to help free other guys to do their jobs as well. But that kind of had to be a strength of the defense. You never knew who was going to step up. No, for sure. And I and again, I, and I and I'll, I'll say it again. You know, I just think Leon really did a nice job of taking the talent. Uh, and putting us all in positions that allowed us to take the most advantage of it. And, you know, we were, we were a pressure defense, so we were coming. You know, it was all about penetration up front. You know, the secondary, you know, had guys that had, you know, Bill K was probably the fastest guy on the team. And so, you know, we had athletes at skill positions, and, um, and, and we stayed, you know, in an aggressive mode and an aggressive style. You, you look at that day, Akina, you were up 24 to 6 with about 10 minutes left. I remember sitting in the stands that day, and we were all talking and excited. Not only are we beating Michigan, we're beating Michigan up. Well, that was probably a bad thought to have because all of a sudden, everything turned. They got it down to 24-21, and they're inside your 10. They're at your two-yard line with a chance to win the game. Do you remember that last series very much and, and the big play that James Looney made at the end? 
Yeah, I you know it doesn't it doesn't stick out completely for me, but uh, for sure you know I think what was what was good about those teams and what we learned uh, along the way was just you know in those met you know in those pressure situations uh, you know to be able to stay calm and look to make big plays, and I think that was a part of kind of what you know those defenses became for us is that we, you know, not relied on big plays, but had confidence that we could make plays in key moments uh, uh, to, you know, to have some success. How big of a deal was it for you guys at the time to, to beat Michigan, to beat, you know, a top 10 ranked Michigan team the same year that you beat a top five ranked Notre Dame team? Was it really kind of a, a nice to see everything sort of come to fruition to what you thought you could be and then and then finally to do it on the national stage oh yeah for sure i mean you know obviously my my first two years at purdue you know we you know we didn't have as as much success my junior and senior year we were able to put some you know really good seasons together and i think you know for me i was proud of kind of where the program was you know, when I left and, and uh, that we had had great, you know, great success. Jim Young had done a wonderful job coming in. You know, I was brought in by Alex Agassi and, uh, you know, and Alex was only there my freshman year. I think we went five and six, you know, my first couple of years. And so, you know, to have that success in my junior and senior year and see the program, you know, really, you know, be able to play with the big boys, you know, like Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, in the in my junior senior year it was just a great accomplishment and and you felt good about where the program was it's easy for people to forget because we have so many bowls today that back you look at your your <laughs> record going into that game Keeney you were seven and two if you lose to Michigan and if you lose to Indiana and finish seven four there's no guarantee you're going to a bowl game did the team feel any pressure because of that other than the fact that you wanted to win your senior day and you also always want to win the bucket yeah, I you know, I, I don't know that it was pressure. I think we were having fun, you know, that we were having some success. And, you know, like I mentioned, coming off those, you know, my freshman and sophomore years of just having the program, you know, going through some changeover. I think I think we had a lot of confidence, you know, as as young players uh, feeling like we had a good team, uh, feeling like we had a real good uh kind of philosophy of football and what we like to do. Jim wanted to throw the ball. We had the best quarterback in the country. We had Dave Young at tight end, you know, so we had, we had players, you know, and, um, and I think we were excited about the moments that, that came along with that. So I don't know that we had, you know, been in enough situations to feel <laughs> pressure. I think we were just excited about where we were at the moment. And um, and just the opportunity at hand, you know, and, and playing against a Michigan, which, you know, I think, you know, you're used to playing against Michigan and, and, and Ohio State, Notre Dame, because they, they were there on the schedule every every year. But we hadn't had the kind of success, you know, that we wanted and to have the opportunity to beat those clubs at the, you know, at those times was was you know, hugely uh, important. Well, it, like you said, importantly, you got that win against Michigan and, and, and you took care of uh, Indiana, <clears throat> got that Blue Bonnet Bowl, 
uh, bid down in Houston and, and then took care of the volunteers as well. That, that final game of your college career, again, it was one that came down to the wire. You guys, you guys put the fans on edge a lot that season, uh, <laughs> coming, coming down in the fourth quarter, but, uh, just, you know, take us back to the Alamo dome and, uh, sorry, no, the, the Astrodome. Astrodome, the other dome, the, the other, the, the, the eighth one of the world, the Astrodome and, and just, uh, what that final game was like for your college career. Well, I mean, uh, you know, again, having the success the year before in the Peach Bowl against Georgia Tech, I think we felt like a good team. I think we felt like a team that had been had had been through it a bit. We didn't panic. I think on defense, we felt like we had a quarterback that could win a game, win a tight game, win any kind of game that we needed. And we had those weapons on the offensive side. And so. You know, I think for us, it was just staying in the moment. You know, we gave up some plays that made it a tight game. They were down, They were a darn good football team uh, uh, to start out with. And so, you know, being able to, you know, play a complete game, you know, responding to the moment and obviously winning close ones like that was just, uh, you know, just I, I felt an immense amount of pride, uh, you know, about the way we, you know, handled uh, those last couple of years. I'm looking over your shoulder, Keena, and seeing the picture of Joe Montana and Bill Walsh. After your life at Purdue, you carved out a new career in the, the, the National Football League and, and a new name for yourself as, as a member of, what, four Super Bowl champions, right? Four rings? Yeah, only four. Only four. That's wow. how I see it. <laughs> <laughs> should be six. So it should be six because, you know, I lost a couple NFC championship games that we shouldn't have lost. <laughs> see, the, that's why the competitive guys are the way they are. What did you take out of that whole 49ers experience? And I'll ask the same question, and I know a lot of it's going to be, you're going to tell me it was talent, but why were the 49ers so great over such a long period of time? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Well, it starts, number one, with I was very lucky, fortunate, uh, to play, I went from Mark Herman to Joe Montana, you know, two guys that I have immense amount of, uh, respect for, uh, and the quarterbacks that they were, the leaders that they were and the men that they were. And so, you know, for me, when I walked in the door, you know, Joe was drafted the year before me. And if you remember, you know, that Notre Dame game, uh, he uh, he was the third-string quarterback in our game. And, you know, by the end of the game, he was playing. You know, the first-string guy came in. He went out, wasn't playing well. Second-string guy from Notre Dame comes in. We I think we, you know, break his collarbone maybe. And they put the first-string guy back in. And finally, you know, somewhere in the third quarter, the, you know, they look down there and say, okay, we got to put Joe in. And, and the rest is history, right? So when I walked in the door at the Niners, I knew who he was, right? I knew uh, what he was capable of. You know, it took a while maybe for him to get established with the Niners. Uh, but once he did, uh, we took off. And, you know, just like in college, we had, uh, we had a leader in Bill Walsh like Jim uh, Young who knew what he wanted knew the philosophy and style of play that he wanted on offense and knew uh, the type of people that he wanted to put together uh, in the locker room uh, that really makes the difference, right? And so for sure it was about a lot of talent. I played with uh, a number of Hall of Famers, uh, but it really was about uh, 
the the human connection um, in the in the environment that Bill established that really, you know, I think set us up to have some uh, success over many years. And I think you know a lot of that was in his attitude about uh, never being satisfied. It was never enough. Um, we just had guys that, um, you know, were in that locker room that looked at it that way, you know, and a lot of the way we kind of, you know, learned it helped us there, right? We, we won a Super Bowl in my second year. We didn't make the playoffs the next year. We stumbled in the NFC championship game the year after, and then we won it again in my fourth year. And those, those early years really helped us establish kind of an attitude about every year being, you know, uh, singular and only that year matters how far you get. It doesn't matter what happens the next year. You know, people, you have to prove it every year. And so it helped us establish an attitude and a, and a, and a, a mindset that stuck with us for, for many years to come. You know, Keena, I was a uh, I was a Dolphins fan growing up, so I didn't like you guys very much. Uh, but you were always always a lot of fun to watch. One interesting thing I never thought about till you were just talking now. Um, here at Purdue, you were a, a really important part on uh, kind of a, a, a no name defense because the offense got all the attention. Uh, in San Francisco, you were a really important part of a of a defense that gave a lot of the attention to the offense. It was it was. Walsh's, you know, West Coast offense and Montana and Rice and Taylor and, uh, you know, all the names that you know, Roger Craig, and 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 you guys on defense just went about your job. Was that sort of an overarching attitude uh, for the defenses you played on? Is you know, we don't really care who gets the headlines; we just want the wins. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that was a part of who we were. I mean, you know, our biggest our biggest stars, I mean, you know, obviously Joe was our guy, and Joe was just, he was Joe in the locker room. He didn't separate himself uh, from the guys. It was about the team. You know, our great players were that way. You know, I played with, you know, Ronnie Lott and Fred Dean and Charles Haley, you know, all these guys that, that were Hall of Famers themselves. And it was really about the team, you know, and it was about us and it was about ultimately the, you know, the, the bigger prize, you know. And so I think that was kind of a part of kind of just who we were individually. I think that had a lot to do with, you know, Bill identifying the, kind, the right kind of people to put together along with the talent that was necessary uh, to be successful in the business. And so, yeah, I think it was a part of who we were, and for sure it was definitely a part of how, how Bill uh, kind of managed the team. You became a Niner for life after your playing days were done. You've stayed with the organization. Tell folks what you're doing now and what you've done since you've uh, ended your playing career. Well, I've, I've you know, I've, I've gone off on a, a couple different tracks, but they've all led back, you know, to the 49ers. This is actually kind of the third time that I've, uh, you know, been back with the team. I've been back this time around maybe, I don't know, 16 or 17 years or so. Uh, just very fortunate to, you know, have worked with some really, really good people. Uh, this is my sixth head coach since I've been back. So we've, you know, we've, kind of gone around a bit but uh but Kyle and and John are have been wonderful they both have history with the Niners I actually met John uh, 
when I was out doing my only coaching stint at, uh, at Stanford. Uh, we came in and it was actually John's uh, senior year and he was good. He had gotten drafted to play baseball and Bill had the conversation with him. He said, you know, I think you'll be a really good baseball player, but I think, you, you know, I think you'll be a great football player. And so John uh, made the decision to come back his fifth year. Uh, we went, I think, 10 and three at Stanford. Uh, our first year there were, were co-champs of Pac-10, won, won a bowl game against Penn State. And for John, you know, the rest is history that he went on and had a Hall of Fame career. And so when he came back, you know, as a part of uh, the combination, he and Kyle, we had that relationship, which is uh, which has been wonderful. And Kyle had his own history with the 49ers that his dad was, you know, the offensive coordinator here for the 94 Super Bowl. So they both were rooted kind of in some Niner history, I think, that helped them understand this place, this environment, this ownership. And that's been key in, uh, in them establishing kind of, you know, kind of who we, uh, who we want to be now. And uh, and so for me, it's been great to, you know, have had these these experiences and been able to come back home, so to speak, and uh, played my whole 11 years here and have worked here for a number of years is, you know, it's uh, definitely definitely felt like home. So important for a Midwestern guy like yourself to to feel at home, right? Yeah, <laughs> well, for sure. Nothing like the Midwest and, and the, the, the fan base there and the attitude about about the ball. But you know, uh, winning can help it all, for sure. For sure. <laughs> no you also, you and Keno, you've always had a special connection with Purdue, and that got even more special a couple of years ago. Uh, are you able to share something with your daughter that was very special? Talk about that. Yeah, man. I mean, that, oh, man, that, you know, that's probably my biggest memory, most exciting time at Purdue. With all of the football and with all the the, the winning we were able to do those last couple of years and all the great relationships there and friendships, uh, you know, having the opportunity to go back and spend that day with my daughter and walk and uh, complete my degree at, at Purdue after 40 years and, and be there on her very special day uh, was just the coolest uh, moment and experience that I'll always cherish. And I, you know, I want to you know, thank Purdue for allowing that to happen and creating an opportunity for it to happen. And uh, it's very, it's very cool moment. One, uh, one of the, there's not a lot of great things that came out of COVID, uh, as, as I'm sure we can all agree uh, worldwide. But uh, one of the cool things that happened was for the first time, uh, graduation was held in Rossade Stadium, and and so when you right. were able to walk, uh, you were able to walk in in a place you were very familiar with, where you had a lot of memories, and it had to be just so cool yeah. to add one more. Yeah, I mean there were moments uh, where it was overwhelming, you know, to think about, you know, the times I had spent in that stadium and how important those Saturdays were. And uh, to be walking on the same field that I, you know, lined up with some of my best friends and, you know, relationships and friendships that I have to this day, uh, to, to then have my daughter kind of be a part of that, uh, that memory for me in that way, 
was just incredible, you know. And so, uh, yeah, you know, there we there was some concern that we might not have a physical graduation because of COVID. It all lined up. You know, I finished my classes that I needed to finish in time. I mean, you know, it all kind of just worked out. And uh, wow, what a, what an amazing experience. You look back, Kina, for, for those of us who were there, and, and I was in school a couple of years behind you, but I was in the stands for those 78 and 79 seasons. That, that run from 78 really to 80 might be the most successful three-year run, or certainly one of those in program history. What do you hope people remember from that team and that group of guys uh, years and years later? Well, I think, you know, and probably all teams that have a measure of success will say the same kinds of things, you know, that, you know, it was a unique time to, that we brought together the talent level, you know, the, the leadership level, you know, and the scheme and the approach of, you know, a collection of folks that came together and, uh, and were fixated and, uh, had the same mindset about where you want to be, you know, and that, and that run represents, you know, um, a great time in, in, you know, in Purdue history, sports history. And so, you know, I think, you know, a lot of things have to, have to work out for you to have those opportunities. And, um, you know, Purdue has a lot of, a lot of success, you know, stories throughout, the sports programs there. And um, for me, it's just great to be a part of, you know, a moment in, in our sports history that, you know, that, that will live on in some way. Well, Kina, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today. We'll, we'll cut you free and let you get back to work. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure the, the 49ers want to get every little bit they can out of you today. <laughs> so uh, thank you again. It's been a lot of fun uh, walking down memory lane with you. I uh, appreciate you guys. And, uh, you know, one thing I found about winning uh, Super Bowls in the ring, you never get enough of them. So, uh, so we're going to attack it and go after one more. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll be cheering you on. Uh, no, no matter who, who we might be pulling for, we'll always be pulling for you. I uh, appreciate you guys. Thanks now. Boiler up. Boiler up.